Welcome. This is Ian Linder, and you're listening to the Risk-Free Podcast. As a property and casualty insurance advisor, I've dedicated my career to protecting the assets and liabilities of corporations in some of the riskiest industries out there. With each episode of the Risk-Free Podcast, we'll go in-depth presidents and CEOs to discuss how they're managing some of the most dangerous risks posing a threat to their businesses. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the first episode of the Risk-Free Podcast. Uh, First off, I just want to say I'm very excited about this. This is something that I've wanted to do for a very long time. Um, and it's finally coming together. Uh, today, we're bringing in Lance Bertrand, who is the CEO of Turnkey Design and Construction, straight out of Brooklyn, New York. Uh, Turnkey specializes in residential and commercial renovations throughout the five boroughs. We're going to dive into how Lance is steering the ship, having been deemed a non-essential company due to the current coronavirus pandemic, which has forced him to cease his business operations. So without further ado, uh, let's get right into it. Lance Bertrand, thanks so much for being on the Risk-Free Podcast. I appreciate you coming on. It's an honor to have you. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm grateful that you thought of me. I genuinely, like, I appreciate that too. So first off, I got to ask on a personal note, how's the quarantine been for you? I'm sure you've had your highs and your lows. Tell me a little bit about that. So quarantine for me hasn't been as bad as I thought it would be, to be honest. I think people being in the house has been a little bit isolating. You know, I could see people getting down. I could see people getting depressed. I've been taking this time to read up on some more books. I started Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss, which is like talking about negotiating, which has been helpful. I picked up running, jogging a lot more from a health perspective since gyms are closed, the gym in my building's closed. So just being creative in that capacity. Family wise, um, my mom is in healthcare, so I'm not comfortable or 100% at ease about that, you know, because she is in a facility with older people. Is it hard for you to focus on the business aspect, knowing that your mom is going through that every day? I think I'd be a cop out to blame it on that. But I definitely know that like, I just got to keep just checking in with her, seeing how she's doing, seeing how her mental's doing mentally, because um, I mean, I've spoken to her about like, I'm a business owner, I manage a staff of 10 to 15 people. She manages a staff of over 100 people. And with some of her nurses being out, some taking extended breaks, her being that leader of the nurses, because she's the director of nurses, the captain of the ship, you got to stand up and lead by example. So I just try my best to just stay on top of her. I call my sisters, call my siblings to make sure she's doing at least her normal day-to-day stuff just to stay like a normal lifestyle. So That's just really been a focus. It it is a little unsettling, but I know she's taking proper precautions and I'm happy at least this point in time, we're supposedly over the initial like bad stage and that it's stabilizing and going down. So it does put me a little bit at ease, but no, um, I'm not happy that, you know, my mom who is, uh, you know, 59 years old is working in a facility with this pandemic going on with the most vulnerable population, the elderly, being predominantly her clients. Yeah, you know, it's tough for everyone involved, especially from a personal perspective. You know, that's your mom. If, if you had it your way, 
she wouldn't be there. She wouldn't be in that situation. She'd be home. But the unfortunate reality is your mom's a hero and she's needed at this moment. And given that she can do everything to 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 take care of her own health, we, we rely on people like her in these times and, and, and she deserves all the recognition in the world. So I'd, I'd like to, you know, extend a thank you to her. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that, too. Um, I really, really do. And then sidebar, I mean, other than that, I think I have like a group chat with friends. One of my friends got Corona. I've actually had a couple of friends who've, who've um, contracted it. The two that came off the top of my head are like males within my age range, you know, the 25 to 35 or maybe 25 to 32 and seeing like they got past it, they're over it, but it did, it did a number on, on them. You know what I mean? Some of them energy below, they were really feeling it. It's just crazy. Like no one is invincible. No one is indestructible. And I think times like this puts it in perspective to like slow down and try to really focus on what, you know, what really matters in life, period. Um, as a business owner, um, there's pros and cons. The cons are like, obviously having to let go most of my staff, my W-2 staff. Um, I mean, I've worked with a lot of subcontractors too, so luckily they're not on staff, but some of the guys that were on my payroll, I just can't, like, we, they can't work from home. It's really that simple. As much as I'd love to have kept them on, with so much uncertainty as to when this is going to end, it just wasn't fiscally responsible for me as a business owner just to keep people who can't do the work on staff. That I would say is bad um, in that regard. I would say the good out of it is that it has, as a business owner, small business owner, you know, they say work on your business and not in your business. So this has been a great opportunity for me to work on things that I needed to catch up on, um, like SOPs doing different things as far as like automation with my business to make it more streamlined. So when we do get back up and running, um, little stuff, just like even working on my website, tweaking that, making sure it reflects the brand that I want to reflect for the clients that I want to work with. In that regard, to be honest, it's been great for me in that capacity because once when I am operating, I am weighed down so much with sometimes getting caught up in the day to day. It's not horrible, but as the entrepreneur, it's not my job to be answering calls. Like I said, I'm supposed to be leader of the orchestra, making sure that things are getting done when they're supposed to be, be done and my clients are served accordingly. So um, in that regard, in business, it's kind of like, I would say for me personally, like 65, 35, like it's really allowing me to take back and reevaluate and plan in that regard. Unfortunate circumstances, but I'm an optimist and, uh, you know, the glass could be half empty or it could be half full, you know, depending on your perspective. So I try to keep a half full perspective. Of course. Yeah. You know, just backtracking a little bit, hitting the rewind button. A big reason for why I wanted to have you on the podcast as my first guest is because I have a ton of respect for you being so young in such a crazy industry that is the New York construction industry. And, you know, I wanted to put you back into that frame of mind. So if you want to do a little flashback with me. So it's 2013. You've been working at Ikea for five years. It's the only job you've had since college. So tell me about the story. Put me in your head and give me the mindset of the moment, the turning point in your life where you decided you were going to go all in and open up your own construction firm. Thank you. Thank you. That's a good question. You framed the question in a really good way by mentioning mindset. Personally, for me, uh, yeah, 2013, I just got my bachelor's degree from SUNY Stony Brook in Long Island in business. And 
I wasn't always the most studious person, I would say, but I never had bad grades, B student. So senior year is coming and, you know, most people have their jobs lined up. They got their offers or they did that internship junior year. I wasn't prepared. And then I was just scrambling at the end of my senior year, trying to find interviews for jobs, even like the most entry level positions and no one would hire me, unfortunately. So, um, that being said, you know, I graduate, I get my degree and I'm in literally the same position that I'm in prior to starting college. And I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm all about growth. I'm all about forward progress. Even if it's gradual progress, gradual progress over time is, is progress. You know, I'm running a marathon. I'm not in it for the race. I'm in this for the long term. That's my mindset, period. So that being said, I'm in a great company at Ikea. Ikea is a great company. I'm grateful for the experience. You know, corporate world or any world that you work in, it's politics. You know, if you want to move up, you got to know who to talk to, which shoulders to rub, who to go out for beers with. At that point in time, I was looking at like upper management within the organization. I just didn't see myself growing within that organization as great of a company as it was. That being said, I mean, I'm standing on a sales floor making an hourly rate. Um, and then I calculated how much money I would make after like 40 hours a week net pay. And then I found out how much I would make that for a month. So in my head, I'm like, um, you know, if I do, you know, a couple construction jobs or I was doing ca- kitchen design, if I do like two kitchen installation jobs or one or two a month, I'm making the same amount of money. That's at least the thought process that it was for me. Definitely naive on how hard it is to get clients, how hard it is to get new business, how hard it is, you know, insurance, any of that stuff. But I knew what I was capable of. And despite not being able to do the politics, if given the opportunity, I can excel, but you have to give the opportunity. I just didn't feel like the opportunity was going to be given to me. Finally, I had like a kind of a crazy breakup too, uh, senior year of college. The energy I was putting into like a relationship, I was like, I need to put this into something else. Like, (laughs) I figured, why not put it into a business? Like, you know, I could wake up one day and the girl of my dreams could not want to be with me anymore. I cannot always control that. But if I put what I want into a business, I'm in control of that. I'm the one calling the shots, you know? And then I was also like, I'm young. I have no kids. Why not risk now? what better time to do it than later down the line when you have more responsibility. So that was kind of like the mindset. So 2013, I incorporated, um, I had literally no money. I was on Albany's, um, like you could Google online, like which, how to fill out a articles of incorporation. So I figured all of that out. It was like 175 bucks, but I was on the phone with Albany typing the names in and things like that. So that was kind of cool. So now I know how to like incorporate entities, get the contractor's license, had to get like pass a test. So, that was pretty much a mindset. Um, couldn't get a job. Um, didn't foresee future of my company. So I figured like, yo, let me start a company and, um, you know, try it that way. So that was kind of like where the process or thought process was. Breakup, job market, energy. I could find something better to do with my time. When it comes to coronavirus, what's the biggest unexpected challenge that you didn't foresee? Um, I mean, I, I, I'll say the major one. I think the obvious one is that... Um, the not being able to work, period. I mean, this has never happened before. We live in New York City. We live in America. Like, to be told that you're confined to your home, I just was in denial that that would even be on the table. And that's really been the challenge, I would say. 
Um, I mean, in regards to my team, what I am doing in this time, even though, you know, some of the guys have let go, we are doing weekly Zoom calls. And I just do that just to stay connected with the guys in the team and um, exchange resources. Um, you know, especially as a business owner, I get like I'm in BNI groups. I'm in, I was in a Goldman Sachs group. So anything that I find that other employers are doing, I try to take those resources and bring them to my team so they can, you know, know what they got to do or the next steps and things like that. Like who to for low, who to let go, you know, the, there's real strategic, um, in all of that. Um, since besides the obvious of like not being able to work, one, this has been a really eye-opening experience from a financial perspective as a business owner and what that looks like to be fiscally healthy as a business owner, especially to be able to navigate times like this. I mean, I see everyone's applying to these loans from the economic disaster loan to the PPP, Paycheck Protection Program loan. At least in New York City, the city has done some grants and things like that. So the challenge now is, you know, the government is now trying to implement these stimulus package to, you know, get small businesses going because small business is the backbone of the economy. You know, we, you know, I think it's 51% of like small businesses are like what really promotes to the economy and employed because the Amazons and the Googles of the worlds, they're anomalies. There are very few companies that are like them. So um, the challenge now is getting the necessary resources that the government is implementing to lighten the load or lighten the burden as we get through these times. Because, you know, everybody's making this up as they're going along. It's like the economic disaster loan, they were saying, you get 10K in three days. I applied. Three days went by, I didn't get 10K. You know, then the, the, you get the update. It says now it says that um, you get three days from being assigned to a lender. So I'm like, OK, cool. That's the other loophole. The other you know, constraint is it's now not $10,000. It's like $1,000 per employee up to 10K. Just with policy changing, things like that, just trying to navigate the bureaucracy of the system and the government. They're trying to help. But obviously nothing is easy and just making sure you have the proper paperwork, making sure you have the proper documentation to capitalize on these things. Cause they say it's first come first serve. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's difficult for everybody when this is something that we've never seen before and we're all acting on the fly and then we're, we're waiting for certain dominoes to fall and certain things that are not within our control. We were due for a mess. Um, as soon as this thing started to ramp up, I think a lot of us could see that. I mean, the only thing, the only thing I would like to add to that small tidbit is that um, I will give them credit. I am surprised at something that's being implemented by the federal government and the city, how responsive they've been. You know, I know some people feeling like their banks are not getting back to them as fast enough. And I'm not saying it's perfect, but um, today I got my first grant. Yeah. Tell me more about that. Which grant is that specifically? So there's federal programs, you know, and then there's city programs. And I believe there's some state programs, but um, um, SBS, because I'm also like a minority business enterprise certified. SBS is the city. SBS okay. is small business services. You could pretty much call it a city agency. It's a New York city agency. I'm sure each state has their own version of something like that. 
SBS, which is like I said, small business services for New York City, they had two programs that they implemented was an employee retention grant. And the second one was a a continuity loan. And obviously they're trying to give you favorable loan terms. This morning I got the grant, which was like to be able to retain some of your staff or go towards some of your like business expenses because I still have insurance to pay. And I think that speaks very loudly to me because you're the employer. You feel responsible for these guys that work under you because that's their world that you're thinking about their families and taking care of them. And it's hard when you have to lay people off, when people need to be fired, when you're not working. But it sounds like you're doing everything that you can to take care of your own. I respect that. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, I'm I'm big on team. I'm big on that. So yeah, I mean, that's a whole other challenge, you know, and that's why I said, I'm just doing my best to service these men, men and women. And that's why I just want to stay connected to them in the sense where it's like, you know, a time like this is not all about money. You may not, you may come back work for me. You may not. But as we go through this time, how can I be of service to you? How can I help you out? You know, we all got families. We all, you know, I have rent to pay. I got bills to pay. I got utilities to pay. I got student loans to pay. I can't make any income either, but you know, we got to do the best that we can do. But um, I will say that I am shocked that it may, it's not as smooth as I would like, but I will commend them. Like I wasn't expecting to hear from anyone for weeks, you know, that's usually the norm. So it goes to show they can do it if they want to. They just got to want to. Of course. Obviously, your construction business is non-essential, right? You're in the vast majority, whereas the minority are the the essential construction firms that are doing infrastructure work, and you know maybe they, they might be doing work for for schools or other municipalities that that is deemed essential. But your business has no choice but to come to a halt in terms of the projects that you were working on and that you were bidding on. So when you're sitting at home and you you can't be on the job site. How have you been strategizing and working to take advantage of this work from home climate? Great question. Great question. So um, I do think, you know, we're living in a technology era. You know, technology is really transforming how we communicate and interact on a daily. It's just changing our lifestyles. It's it's just so, um, so for me, at least being a contractor, yeah, I mean, a lot of my projects are on hold. I work in a lot of like condos and co-ops too. So like they're not, you know, no jobs are getting approved. No board approval is happening. But I am taking this time to like sharpening our skills internally um, to connecting with our clients during this time. Some clients it is to service them or like, you know, when this is over, how can we you know, make sure we're prepared and have all of our ducks in a row. So I will say the major shift that I've made is that um, I actually go, I'm going to continue doing these virtual Zoom meetings with my clients, even when things get back to normal, because one, it allows me to connect with them, see their face on a better level, on a deeper level, me even stuff with the home, I'm able to like see things and things like that. So it's actually like, the, this whole virtual thing is pretty, it's efficient. You know what I mean? Um, in construction, I'm not one of those contractors where, you know, a client calls me and I just go out running because, you know, you don't know who's a good client. You don't know who's a bad client. But now with virtual meetings like Zoom, like we're doing now, 
okay, cool. You want me to come out? You, you know, we have a pandemic going on. You've been thinking about this project. Let's take a couple moments, see how we can service you. Um, let's connect. What, what, what are your needs on this project? Let's do design work. Let's do preparation work. I will say that that's how I'm capitalizing, um, shifting my business model to more on a virtual service. Like I, ha- I still have my like sales admin working too. So we've been working virtually. I got on a call with her prior to working with you and we did client follow-ups. Yesterday we spoke to about four or five different clients all on the on virtually. And, you know, we kind of tag team it before she was doing it on her own. And it's kind of, it's keeping me close to the client too. So I do like this whole virtual business that we're doing now. I think that's the future of business anyway. I have a lot of friends working from home. So I do see this being more of a business norm now, as opposed to replacing some of the in-person meetings that of the past. Yeah, of course. And, you know, I can certainly relate to that myself. Being an insurance and risk advisor, a lot of my business revolves around face-to-face meetings. And I've done a lot of thinking about this. And, you know, do I think that Zoom will play an increasingly important role moving forward? Yes. Do I think it's a tool that in the past, you know, in, in the context of everything that's going on now, it, it's, it seems like it's been underutilized in the past. But I I do feel at the same time, like, especially when you're meeting somebody for the first time, you know, that face-to-face interaction is is not really replaceable in in a lot of circumstances. You know, as human beings, we're we're social beings and it's healthy for us to, to be around each other. But at the same time, I can't disagree that Zoom is as good as it gets. It's a way for us to make the best in this situation. And I think, especially looking at a position like yours where you're running a company and you need to have interactions and be on the same page with your team and with your clients and and a lot of people in one day, I think it could be and it will be a tool that's utilized to be more efficient and to have better communication moving forward for sure. Yeah. And and I'm like you, I'm an in-person guy. I prefer that. But um, yeah, like you said, those initial meetings... Let's 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 jump on a Zoom call. Especially, I mean, I know you know what it's like. How much time do we lose via commuting? Too much. So, you know, okay, now I could talk to twenty clients in a day instead of ten. You know, we know this is also still a numbers game at the end of the day. For sure, for sure. All right. Well, I think that's all the questions that I had for you, Lance. I just wanted to give you the floor to highlight some of the things that Turnkey has going on, whatever you'd like to talk about with regard to your business. No, thank you. Thank you. I will say this. I am not discouraged. I do think it is important for me as the leader of the organization to stay stable, not only for myself, but for my team. So that being said, right now, we just still want to connect clients. We still want to service people. It's not all business. I will say that too. You know, some of our clients, we're just checking in just to see how they're doing amongst these times because some people can't even focus on a project. We work in the city. We're New York City based. Most of our clients are in Brooklyn and Manhattan, even though we do technically work all over the five boroughs. We are, you know, we're still getting activity. Also, that's the other crazy part. We're still marketing. We're still getting leads coming in, still talking to clients. New business still pretty consistent, not as great as we would like, but I will say it is consistent, surprisingly. That being said, we just want to we just want to take this as an opportunity to recalibrate, I would say, 
take a second, slow it down, see what we're doing and what we want to do and how do we improve and how do we con you know, continue to provide value. That's really where my mindset is at now. How do I provide value for anybody I'm coming in contact with? Whether it's business, whether it's personal, even this, you know, I was so grateful that you even thought of me to interview me for the project. And, you know, I know we're doing a lot of great things. I know we're going to continue to do great things and I'm, people will continue to look us up. We're on Google. You'll see our five-star reviews. We're on Facebook. You'll see our five-star reviews and we'll continue to do that. So this time is about, you know, connecting people and providing value. And that's really just all I want to do. I just really want to provide people value and service people. And uh, I just think that's just the way we operate. I'm looking forward to when things open up to come out of here booming, booming. I'm, I'm ready. I'm hungrier than ever. I want more. I'm ready for more. So stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Of course, man. And, and that just makes me think and really appreciate this situation for, you know, the positivity that it does provide us because we get this opportunity to reflect um, and we get a second to, to, to not have to go full speed. Um, and I think in the long term, when it is time to put the pedal to the metal, I think that I think that a lot of people in a, across a lot of different industries have a lot of built up energy that they're ready to put their best foot forward and really put some great quality work out there. And I think that you fit right in with that category. So thank you for everything. Thanks for being our, our inaugural guest. I'll be forever grateful to you and my well wishes to your family and, and especially your mother as she works to fight for this cause. God, yeah, thank you, Ian. I appreciate that. And I guess I'll, uh, the last tidbit, I guess, you know, I, Turnkey Design and Construction is a full service commercial and residential contracting firm. We work all over the city. So if anybody who's listening to this, feel free to give us a shout. We're easy to Google. For my contractors listening to this, um, I met Ian at a networking event and he's been providing me value. I really just also want to commend you for what you're doing. And I'm also looking to having a long-standing relationship as you build your business and I grow my business for years to come. Amen, Lance. Thank you very much. So that concludes our interview with Lance Bertrand. Before we part, I would like to mention that in these hard times, a lot of businesses have looked toward their insurance programs for some recourse in this. To this point, Generally, insurance carriers have maintained that they are not willing to cover coronavirus-related losses and that their insurance contracts were never intended to cover losses of that nature in the first place. Um, however, in many cases, there is recourse from an insurance standpoint. Carriers have been willing to offer some relief, be it in the form of extension of premium payment plans, lowering of exposures such as the sales or payroll figures, which are the driving factor of the premium dollar amount that businesses are paying. If you'd like more information about this, feel free to contact me via my website, ianmlinder.com, so we can continue the conversation. That's our episode for today, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in, and until next time, be sure to keep it risk-free.